Good morning, uh, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you're listening in the world. Um, this is All Things Rugby. I'm James. Uh, my good friend Will is back for a third time on the podcast. He yes. <laughs> he just can't get enough at the moment. How's things, mate? Us, I know we talk off air a lot, but it's good to get um, um, things off your chest on air if, if needs be. So how's things? Yeah, man, things have been good um, this past couple of weeks. Uh, I've really dug into some um, personal projects of mine. So, yeah, I'm really happy and really excited for the next couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, man, it's I've just been happy. And, like, well, as soon as um, you you told me about um, what you were, were thinking about having for the podcast for this week, I was like, there's no way I'm missing it, man. So I had, I had to come through. Uh, yeah, mate. Um... It's, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, should we talk about the the obvious um, rugby that's happened over the last uh, couple of couple of days, um, and obviously last weekend, um, and that is the uh-huh. greatest championship, or that's what they label it, um, the Six Nations, uh-huh. mate. Should we recap that? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm happy to. Um, all right. We'll start with the Italy-France game. Um, obviously, that was the first game of the 2021 Six Nations. Uh, a brilliant game um, to watch, mate. Obviously, we've got some questions for you. There's no point in coming on the show without asking some questions. So, yeah, <laughs> I think the first one we need to really ask, mate, France. Um, are they good enough to win the title? Are they good enough to go all the way and do a grand slam? Um, yeah, man, it's, I mean, like, um, it's arguably like France is probably the best European team, um, at this point in time. Um, I don't want to go as far to say as the, the best Northern team, because obviously we haven't seen a lot of them, um, just to say that, but I definitely think that they're one of the best European teams, um, out there. Uh, it's just, they, they, the gameplay is so beautiful, and we always know that the French was, was always like a tough cookie to crack. But um, if they keep up the same performance that they've been doing now, I 100% believe that they can definitely go forward. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's it's exciting now because um, they're getting in new players, they're getting in um, new fresh legs. You know, they change up the 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 way of of playing, they change up a bit of their style. So. It's exciting to see a, a, a good France team again, you know, that going out for, for the title. So, yeah, I definitely, definitely think that they are definitely in the race to to go for a Grand Slam. Yeah, mate, um, France played um, exceptionally well, but um, they played a very, very poor um, and at times a not-so-well-drilled Italy. Um uh-huh. It's hard to to sort of say this because there's been a lot of hard work going into Italy being in the Six Nations. But are Italy the, uh-huh. are Italy the right fit for the Six Nations? Should we see some sort of promotion slash relegation from the um, league below the Six Nations, which is the uh, I think it's the European Cup, um, where we've got teams like Romania, Georgia, Russia. Um, uh-huh. Germany even competing um, 
in that tournament. Should we offer a promotion relegation to give teams like Georgia an opportunity to play Tier 1 nations on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, I think that it, it should definitely be done. Um, when you look at it, uh, to just to, to, to make it a bit more simpler, is that um, Italy, as, as we know, has been struggling. And um, they, they, they have great players when they can put them together. You know, um, it's, it's difficult to find good players, um, especially for them because of how, how big um, other sports are in Italy than well, to rugby. When we were um, uh, on the show last week, me and Josh... Um, I did a bit of research mm-hmm. after, and it's only um, the northern part of Italy that actually partake in rugby. I know when Conor O'Shea, mm-hmm. Conor O'Shea come in as um, head coach of Italy, he sort of looked at trying to unify the nation with rugby, um, but it, it yeah. didn't really catch on, mate. And I'm starting to feel like if Italy struggle anymore, they haven't won a game in the Six Nations since 2015. Mm. I mean, it's been massive to get, you know, that rebranding from Five Nations to Six Nations. And we pushed for, you know, it to be Italy to come in. But is it a case that Italy just don't have the money that the other um, the other rugby unions have? I, I would say maybe, yeah, a bit of both. I think it's... It, definitely can come down to um, how much resources they have. Um, when I'm not, when I'm speaking about the resources, I'm not only speaking about um, the funds that go into um, international rugby for Italy. Um, you have to look at the clubs that they have. You have to look at um, like players that they, that they endorsing, you know, like players that are playing either nationwide or, you know, international. And then it's also that um, the, the player selection, you know, they don't have a lot of options as most tier one um, teams have. Like, you know, if, if you look at teams like such as England is a great, um, yeah, they're a great example to say that um, mostly rugby players are, are born and bred, you know, and, and, are, and are taught from a very young age to to play rugby at the highest level. So it's, it's difficult when in Italy, um, that you don't have the whole nation united in building rugby players because if the south, west and east of or all of Italy was into playing rugby as much as the north was, I definitely could see them um, becoming better. Um, I do not know by how much of a margin, but definitely better to um, continue competing. Right now, I don't think that they're at the best place because as I mentioned before, um, it seems like they're struggling, and um, it, it seems like uh, a good a good set of players comes once in a blue moon, you know. And um, it's sad because you you want to see you know all types of nations going at it and and actually going to play, but at, at, you also don't want to be at at the level such as the Six Nations and be scrambling for players, you know. Um, I don't if you can't put out. I don't think Italy have, have been scrambling for players. They've got a 
a very, very good um, new 10 um, in Garbisi. He, he uh-huh. seems like he, if if he pulls the right strings at the right time, things can happen. I think for him, yeah. him on Saturday, he was just up against a very, very well-drilled defensive um, French side um, that wasn't uh-huh. offering much... Um, much space and time for him to play. Um, yeah. Yeah, like... Uh, they, that... they, they've, they've obviously lost Parise, which is a massive loss. You know, you look at results mm-hmm. gone by where in games that he has actually played in and you look at that and you sort of say, well, there's the reason. Um, and they sort of brought him in a younger version of him, if you like, in um, Jake Paledri. Um, yeah. With Paledri, he's very much a workhorse. He hasn't got the the hands that Parise has got. He hasn't, mm-hmm. you know, he wouldn't try a, a drop kick to win a game like yeah. Parise would. But... What Paledri does do is give you front football. Um, he gets over the uh-huh. game line. He beats two, three players in a carry. Um, uh-huh. And um, when I say he beats them, I don't mean like he just he, he sidesteps them. He runs over the top of them and he leaves them laying on the pitch five uh-huh. metres back. So I think at the moment, Italy are going through a bit of a crisis with, um, like you said, like the team. Um, then. They're not. They've not got a full um, squad to pick from. I know a lot of players mm-hmm. are out with injury at the moment. Um, yeah, I think it goes back to the need of trying to do what Conor O'Shea was doing, which was building that team um, and building that union, if you like, for Italy to thrive on and give Italy the potential yeah. to go go further up. I'd love to see Italy stay, but I think something needs to be done in in regards to them to go. Look, let's let's prove ourselves here. We need yeah. to, you know, if we want to stay in the Six Nations, we've got to prove ourselves. Yeah, and and just to to clarify, um, that that was what I was implying. Um, it was that I don't I don't think that. They don't have enough players. I think that they do have enough players. I definitely think that, obviously, because they have a team. But it's it's a sense of, do they have players that are on tier one standard throughout the whole team? And that's just clearly a no um, at this point in time. Because Obviously, because of the injuries. And then um, just because of the, 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 the lack of players that are coming up at the time in Italy. Um, as we mentioned before, that it's only the northern side that's really focusing on on gathering players, which is very difficult for a nation to do. Um, so yeah, like I definitely believe they are, you know, key players in every team. But in general, for to go for for a title shot such as the the Six Nations and to play against teams such as France, England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, you definitely want to bring out the best that you can have, you know. So um, I, I I would say, yes, that there should definitely be a promotion and relegation. I think it, it will be a bit more exciting and it will it, it will push um, teams such as Italy 
to want to do better. Not that they're not doing better. It's just that, you know, maybe it will open them, open a wider um, acceptance in the nation. Like, you know what, like we, we playing in the six nations might not be uh, as good as it is now. So why not? Let's try to get the South involved. Let's try to get the West and the East involved and actually unify um, the rugby union in Italy. And I definitely believe with that, that they, their chances will, will definitely become better. I do not know by which margin because we, we can't really say, but from just a, a, just a perspective point of view, that will allow them to get more players in, that will allow them to get more people that are interested in rugby and um, yeah, that, that would help the, the, the national team a lot. And yeah, I, I think that if if they do a promotion or relegation, I think it's going to force them to to up their game a bit more. So, yeah. Yeah, mate, I think, I think you're uh, um, spot on with that. Um, I think, is that everything um, for Italy, France? Or is there anything? Well, I... Well, like, as you mentioned before, like, um, uh, Monty, uh, I just, uh, he's a danger man. Like, um, what, do, what do you think about his performance so far? I know, like, we haven't got to see a lot of him. But... Uh, Monty, I own, um, you know, he, he's, um, he's very talented. Um, mm-hmm. He's... Um, Cousins of the Australian Ion. Um, um, I know he only made his debut against France, um, but he, he looked dangerous, mate. He, mm-hmm. he seemed to be the only one that, when ball got to him, he was the one trying to create something or pressurize the defense or make them, you know, make them make the decision of what they're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. He looked very dangerous. Um, then, yeah, I think if Italy had got more ball to him, I think we could have seen a few more tries from Italy. Um, yeah. Which, of course, would have made the game a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. But, um, mate, I think if he plays this weekend, England are going to have um, a little bit of a problem to defend on the wing if they get the ball to him very quickly. Mm. I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. Uh, just from seeing the, um, a bit of his clips and then actually going doing a little bit of research on him, you could definitely see that he's he's definitely going to be a danger man in um, in Italy if they continue. Um, I I just I just I just hope that they could you know use his or utilize his um his arsenal. Uh, yeah mate, definitely I, I think I, I think they definitely need to um to sort of not revamp Italy but give Italy that fighting chance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um also another player that I was um impressed by um people will say he's the best nine in the world uh currently. Um I don't know how to feel about that but <laughs> Obviously, as a South African, um, Faf is, is is absolutely amazing. But then you look at the door man, 
um he's he's been amazing like what what do you think like are people right saying he's the best nine in the world currently um, um i think it's hard i think when you come to um world cups that's when you can sort of say yeah he he's the best nine we see him at 2019 um in the world cup and we didn't mm-hmm. see him against probably the best defensive team in the in the in the in the group stages which were um in, i feel in in my book it was england england's defense at the world cup in the group stages up until um the final was immense um their defense against new zealand stood out for me probably yeah. the best defensive game to watch um, Anton Dupont, I think Aaron Smith come out this week and turned around and said he, yeah, he is, he is the best in the world at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. That's because he's playing regular games, mate. He's playing for Toulouse week in, week out. He's been selected yeah. by France. Um, have we seen the best of him yet? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely a lot more to come from him. Um, he is a star player for France and mm-hmm. I think when when he come off um, for Serran um, mm-hmm. over the weekend, I think you see the the pace of France change. He brings um, he brings a element to the to France that it's a bit like a Duracell bunny mate. He, he just doesn't seem yeah. to stop and his support his support lines or some people are calling it cheat lines because he seems to be in the right place at the right time. It mm-hmm. reminds me when you watch him and Aaron Smith side by side, they're very, very yeah. similar players. Obviously, Smith's renowned for his his passing game. It's one of the best in the world. But yeah, mate, mm-hmm. I think we've got a lot more to see from Dupont, um, and we could potentially um, see him pick up. Um, the Six Nations player of the tournament again. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's obviously a big call considering how early on we are into the tournament. Yeah, yeah, I def I definitely believe um that it's a it's a it's a big it's a leap um in a sense um basing off seeing him play currently and then also looking back on um he's playing at the Six Nation and of uh, like you said, like you mentioned before, like Every um, week playing with, with Toulouse, um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't say it's far fetched to say that he's probably the best uh, currently. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I do think I that think is, it, if you pick, if you're if you're picking your best nine in the world at the moment on form, he's way above everyone else. Um, uh, you look at what Faf's doing in the Gallagher Prem; he's playing well, but. He's not had that massive impact that he had last season where he mm-hmm. was turning balls over, he was playing well. And then he obviously, um, at the back end of 2019, he went out and won the World Cup with South Africa. So I think yeah. if you're basing it on form, yes, Anton Dupont is the best in the world at the moment. Um, yeah. But he's still young, he's still got a long way to go, he's still maturing into his game, which yeah. it makes him incredibly dangerous. Yeah, I could agree. I could agree with that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, mate, that's it. Lee France, um, out of the way. 
Um, shall we look at the biggest upset of the weekend? Uh, yeah, um, sure. We can. can I just say before we start, to all my <laughs> Scottish friends out there, um, a very, very well, um, a, a massive well done. Um, first time Scotland's won on English soil in 38 years. Um, it was a brilliant game to watch. But mm-hmm. how good was Scotland? How good were they actually? Um, yeah, mate. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it, it, it was an incredible game to watch. I, I think it I think yes. I would say that they were good on Saturday. My personal opinion I would say that they were good. I think the set plays that they set up, the defense was really good. Um they forced England into places that they didn't want to be. Um so yeah, I would say that their form was good. In that same sentence, I would also say that England should have been capable to do better, but obviously because of so many injuries, um and just so many other elements that come into play. So it's difficult to say for certain um, how really good Scotland was. But I, as, as I saw the game, I was like, just the set play, the, the way they, they put things into perspective, the way they forced England into certain eras, I definitely think that they did good. Um, yet again, then you have to look at England's side as well and see that... Um, how how good are they playing? Because we know that uh, they have played against um, really, really good teams such as New Zealand, South Africa, um, you know, and giving them a run for their money. Um, so I, I I do not I do not know. Is it maybe just now they, they're starting off? Is it maybe Eddie um, trying dif- different things? Um, but yeah, it's 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 gonna be a mixture of the two. I think that Scotland was good. And um, probably would say that England wasn't on their best form. I don't think I'll get any real <laughs> backlash for saying that um, England wasn't on the best on on Saturday. Mate, I I, I think um, I slightly have to disagree with you. Um, well, agree mm-hmm. agree with you in the fact that Scotland, yeah, they were fantastic. Scotland. Um, seem to build their game plan on winning penalties, um, niggling bits of breakdown, which we'll come on to later. Um, I know discipline is a big thing about this show, um, so we'll come to that later. Yeah. Um, but Scotland just outplayed England from minute one to minute 80, unfortunately. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. it was the strongest team that England could have put out. Um I'm quite annoyed in the fact that um, a certain young man named Ollie Lawrence um, didn't see a touch of the ball until the 65th minute. Um, yeah. And especially when you've got players and pundits comparing him to Manu Tuolangi quite early on in his mm-hmm. career to not give him the ball for you to get, get the platform that you want from him was a massive mistake. Um, I think at one yeah. point when it was only, um, uh, I think it was eleven six just after just after half time, um, England had a four five man overlap 
and decided mm-hmm. to, to kick it in behind. I think England's game plan was all wrong. Um, but what I want to do come on to you with, mate, is was Eddie Jones right to back his tried and tested team? Um, I know it's not a team that we would usually see a lot of players missing through injuries, uh, suspension, etc. Mm. But do you think Eddie was right to pick um, his Saracen? We'll call them a quartet because that's what they were on Saturday. Um, but yeah, do you think he was right to pick the Saracens players? Um, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. We we're saying that um, that we we want teams, we want teams and players that are going to play for the Six Nations to be on top form. Um, and Saracens haven't really. Had a lot of games. I know they had like two games before the. I think they played their second game on Saturday, um, whilst England were playing Scotland against Ealing Trailfinders, and they lost that as well. Okay. So... Yeah, and um, yeah, it just it just shows, mate. Like, I I get what he wanted to do. I I understand that he wanted to, you know, use their legs and and force them into a place where they can actually play. Um, get them out and and actually you know get used to playing at the ball. I I do not know if or I I don't think that it was the best choice that Eddie made. But I definitely understand where he's coming from. Um, you want players with the confidence to to go out there and and, and believe that they're going to win a game. You know. Um, yeah. So it's 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 difficult to to say exactly or or try to pinpoint exactly what he was saying. Um, I know that during the press conference, he did say that like um, that they struggled a lot um, because of not having a lot of possession, uh, and then then also not taking their chances. So I think I think it's it's difficult to. I think the possession. Side, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, mate. Um, I think the possession side of it come from Scotland just being too good, um, and being able to mm-hmm. keep hold of the ball. Um, when you look at um, Finn Russell's yellow card, we'll come on to it later on in the show, but Finn Russell's yellow card, yeah. um, Scotland in that 10-minute period just seemed to grind out um, grind out the 10 minutes without having a major playmaker in their side. They just seemed to go back to basics, which was give it to the forwards, mm-hmm. they'll stick it up the jumper and we'll make yards that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mate, yeah. With you saying, obviously, you think Eddie's um, decision wasn't the right one. Um, should Eddie be looking at shaking the team up, embedding some new blood, um, potentially bringing back either some old players that are back in form or some new players that are, are finding their feet in the Gallagher Prem and um, are playing well at the moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he should do a bit of both. Um, I think to to bring in some some um, some of the older lads, um, as a, especially if they're in good form, I think it's good to bring that experience onto the team um, to to basically show them the ropes um, of how to win a game and how to get into um, the opposite team's head, you know, and force them into errors and you know. 
it, it does breathe a lot of confidence into the, to, to the new blood that, that are coming up and players that want to play for the, for the nation. You know, it, it does bring a lot of confidence seeing someone that they looked up to playing next to them and pushing them to the next, to the next step so that when they are at the top of their game and at the peak of their game, they can do it the same to the, to the next generation of players. So I definitely think that um, there should be a, a bit of both. Um, Eddie should definitely try to shake up the team, um, and just bring 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 in uh, your new blood, bring in your your old lads, and just throw them together. You know, Eddie is really good at piecing people together and playing people that are really good to play with each other. I, I think that's what England needs is to to have a set of players that might not be all the best in the world at that time, but definitely players that play well to each other and, you know, can think think together. Like, you know, like when you know for yourself, when you play rugby, it's always nice to have a couple of people, if, if not the whole team, to think exactly the same and know exactly what's going to happen four or five steps before you even do it. So I think it's, it's, I think it's really important to get some some people with experience uh, that can read the game much better than, than the new bloods. Um, and then also teach them how to win games and breed confidence into them and, you know, force them to, to take the mantle from them. I think that, that would definitely help um, Eddie in the long run, especially um, for later bigger competitions such as the World Cup. Um, a lot of players are, are, won't be able to, to step up at that time um, due to just age or due to just um, their body condition, so you would want to. This is the this is the perfect time to do it right now. Is to bring in new blood and force them into playing and get a couple of caps um, behind their belt and you know force them to get into winning ways so that when they go to the the World Cup, um, when the tension is high, when you know they are forced to play for their basically for their lives, then. You know, they already comf comfortable and confident enough to, to go out there and play against bigger teams, you know. So, yeah, I definitely think bringing some new blood, bringing some of the old lads, let them feed that experience, you know, feed that, that energy of I'm a winner. And it would definitely, definitely benefit England, 100%. Yeah, mate, I, um, I couldn't agree more. I think something Eddie needs to do something... Um, just to embed a few new players um, in the squad. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. Um, it, it's it's tough, mate. We don't get paid the the big money. Um, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be the ones getting questioned on a Saturday after we get thumped by Scotland and something I uh, I didn't. I didn't see. I saw uh, when we, me and Josh, spoke about it on the pod last week. We did turn around and say that, yeah, the the Scotland team did look very, very, very dangerous, and probably the most dangerous Scotland team we've seen in five, five to ten years. They looked complete mm -hmm. from one to fifteen. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was a, a, an outstanding performance from Scotland. And yeah. take nothing away from them. Um, but yeah, England need to do something. I think the 
the Saracens players were sort of all bar all barring one. I think they were all out of tune, if you like. Um, mm-hmm. They just looked off the pace. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's my thoughts, mate. And there's a lot of other people with different thought patterns out there. So they can all, we can all think what we want to think. But at the end of the day, something needs to be done um, uh, to get back to winning ways. Yeah, that's, you know, that, that was actually what I was thinking um, a, a couple of days ago is that uh, do England need like a, pl- a plan B or plan C? Um, um, yes. Um, I think their game plan against Scotland was if they had the ball um, to sort of pin Scotland back into the corners. Um, but I think um, it backfired and there was no there was no real game plan to overcome that. Um, mm-hmm. Stuart Hogg is one of the best fullbacks in the world at the moment. Um, he seems to, if not the best, <laughs> no, he's not the best, he's one of the best at the moment. Um, I think, I think he just seems to pop up in places where you wouldn't expect a fullback to be. Um, he's very good at reading uh, a, um, a kick in the air. I mean, we played in some tough mm-hmm. conditions on Saturday. It was absolutely hammering down with rain. Um, it was a wet, greasy ball. But he just seemed to come into his own uh, a lot in that game, Hog. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, thinking about the game now, you know, his spiral kick to the corner... England had Scotland pinned back. They pinned them back to their 22. uh, Run it out five metres from the 22 and then unleashed the absolute kraken of a foot he's got. um, Spiralled it five metres out from touch on the England try line. And when you look at that, you just sit there and you think, well, this is not England's day. Um, I think they they needed something. I think they were missing Underhill. Um, Mm Yeah. Missing Underhill, Laws. When Laws come on, he he looked like he made a real difference. He was putting his body about, making some big hits, and I think that's what England were missing in the first half was someone that was just going out there and shaking things up and making a big big boom, if you like. Um, and Laws come on mm-hmm. and done that. So yeah, I think England do need a, a plan B or a plan C just in case plan A doesn't work, but. Again, that's down to us yeah. to decide. That's down to Eddie. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully he listens to this pod and um, <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he implements a game uh, a game B plan. Yeah, you were you were mentioning that um, that a lot of um, your regular players weren't weren't in the squad, and you know. Um, uh, my first thought is he told you he literally had no game time, but I mean he's still good. Yes, mate. Do you understand? Yes, he like, <laughs> uh, he was he was probably the only Saracens player that stood out for me over the weekend. Um, apart from Maitland mm-hmm. on the opposition team, um, Itoje just seemed to be an absolute nose at the breakdown, charging, um, mm-hmm. interrupting. 
charge charge downs. I mean, he charged Ali Price down twice within the first 10 minutes. Um, but then I think discipline come into it. Um, I think, yeah. I think once Billy was sort of simbined, um, I think Itoje went very quiet. Um, but you look at his all-round game, he was... He was annoyingly good for the player that's not played in a while. Uh-huh. It's almost like that, that player that comes back from injury and scores a hat-trick in a game. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of them. Uh, but I think he, he's he got a long way to go as well. I think at some points he did look very tired, um, fatigued. Uh-huh. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how many minutes he gets this weekend if he plays. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, no game time, but still looks incredibly good. Um, looked dangerous at, at, at the in within the first ten minutes. I thought he was going to scoop yeah. it up and go under the post for the from the charge down. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the ball, the ball just eluded him. It went into touch. His gangly legs couldn't get there quick enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, definitely. I I agree. Like he's definitely, um, if not one of the best players that England have, um, and and he's such a unit, man. It's just just amazing. Like yeah, uh, like you were saying, he's so destructive, and you know, um, you'll be surprised that a, a big guy like him can actually move, you know, and um, oh mate, he also he he's incredible um he just he's he's a standout player for england and and it shows when he doesn't turn up to a game or he's mm-hmm. do you know what i mean he, he, he it does really really show yeah and uh, also another player that i was also like um fairly i wouldn't say surprised I, I knew he had it in him but another player that i also looked at and i said like um you know cameron um Redpath, um, he's he's gelling quite well um, with the team so far. So, but mate, that, what, what do you think? Uh, that was his first game, first outing for Scotland. Um, I think he done his old dad proud. Um, yeah. Obviously, Redpath qualifies for both England and Scotland. He chose Scotland because his dad played for them a while back. Um, yeah. But mate, he just seemed. He's he's still very very young. I know he plays at Bath, and when you watch him at Bath, he seems a player that's playing five, six, well maybe not six, but three or four years above his age in maturity wise. He yeah, he was you know he made a few line breaks. He wasn't scared to bash it up against the likes of Farrell and Billy. Um, mm-hmm. which is good. He's still young. He's still got that enthusiasm. enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I think he, if if Scotland can keep him fit, um, he's a player for the future. Um, they just need to yeah. um, embed him into the into the team and ease him in. Um, but he's got competition. Um, so I don't know where where he's going to be. Um, in a few, I hope it's not a one cap wonder, um, because yeah. he looked really comfortable in the Scottish shirt on the weekend, and it it, it shocked a few of the England players at how good he actually was. Yeah, and I and I think that's that's really good for 
not only Scotland, but good for um, opposition as well to see um, fresh new legs come through and actually make an impact like like he did on, on, on Saturday. So I definitely think that um, you would want to to keep a player like that, you know, because of the potential that he has. Um, so, yeah, I, I really hope that he does stay fit. I hope that he will continue playing. And as we, as you just said, uh, I hope that he's not the one cap wonder, you know, uh, um, I, I actually want to see him go further and, and see how, how good he can be because he looks like he has the potential. So yeah, I, I would like to see how far he would go. Yeah, mate. Same. Um, that's that's the upset out of the way. Um, <laughs> it, it, it it was hard to watch, but it was incredibly ga- uh, good game. Um, another game that was slightly hard to watch was the Wales Island game, mate. Um, yeah, are Wales back to winning ways, or have they just put a little bit of a a pause on the slump? It's difficult to say. Um, it's very difficult to say. It wasn't a, a really convincing win from Wales. Um, yes, they, they definitely they definitely turned up when they had to, but it doesn't breathe confidence at this point in time, you know. Um, I, w- I would like to I would like to believe that um, Wales can, you know, go out and, and, and contend. Um, in back two years ago, back in the uh, in the World Cup, like definitely they, they were one of the danger teams. Um, literally, when South Africa won that uh, semi final by a penalty difference, you could already see that this was a was a tough game. And you know, I was I was biting my nails throughout the whole game because I know how dangerous worlds can be when they decide to to actually kick up kick it up a notch. Um, but on on that game with Ireland, I, I I I don't know. It's not as convincing as it was before. Um, but I I definitely think that they can they can definitely kick it up a notch and maybe it's just getting out, you know, for the first time back on the field to actually play, you know, uh, an intense game like that, especially against a team like Ireland. Um, you don't want to take too many chances with a team like that. So uh, maybe maybe it's that, but I don't know. It's it's difficult. I, I wouldn't say that they're back to winning ways. It's only been one game. Um, let's see for this week. Let's see what they say. <laughs> yes, mate, um, definitely. Um, obviously, Wales ground out a unconvincing win, if you like, in Cardiff uh-huh. against a 14-man island. Um, mate, uh-huh. Um, it was brilliant to watch, but I need to ask the question. Um, early in the first half, a yeah. certain Irish player um, decided to start counting down one, two, three, all the way to five when referee Wayne Barnes um, <laughs> said, use it to the nine. Obviously, we know we're seeing a lot of these caterpillar rucks, as they're calling them, where players tag on and in the nine yeah. the ball further and further back um, to give them time for the box yeah. kick. Um, mate, counting down from five, it is sledging. We know Joe Marler is probably the world's best at it. Um, 
when yeah. uh, <laughs> last season, uh, I think it was last season or the season just before the World Cup, he told um, mm-hmm. the Welsh, uh, the Australian scrum half, sorry, um, Nick White, to hurry up because you're effing boring me. Um, is sledging mm. is sledging needed in the game? I know we're hearing a lot of things brought up on the ref mic, and you can hear it because of the there's no atmosphere in the stadium because there's obviously no fans at the moment. So yeah, yeah. should should there be a place for sledging in the game, or should we just leave it to the cricketers? I'd say leave it to the cricketers, man. You know, <laughs> rugby, rugby is all about the, about the, a sport of unpredictability. You know, you wanna you wanna force your opponent uh, into into a place that they don't know what's gonna be happening, um, and you also wanna you wanna do it, it when you wanna slow the game down. You can slow it down. When you wanna speed the game up, you can speed it up, and it all depends on each and every player. You know, one to 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 twenty three. It absolutely depends on on each each of them. To to be doing something like that is is you know it's it's funny. It's it's not Just to me. It's funny. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, when <laughs> when he's when I heard him counting down, I'm sitting there thinking, well, what's he actually doing? But what what when you look at it on a as a, a not just a rugby fan, but a player as well watching that, he's putting the the emphasis on Wayne Barnes, the the official, to go, well, hang on a minute, uh, how far do you want me to count before you blow him up for a free kick for, um, wait, I think it's wasting time. You know, he's been told to yeah. use it. He's not then used it. and So, yeah, how long, how long do we wait? They say five seconds. Wayne Barnes was yeah. very, very good in the first half. He did turn around to the... Um, Welsh scrum off and he did turn around and say next time I will award a free kick if, if you take longer than five um, yeah it, it sort of sped the box kicks up but <coughs> excuse me I think it is funny mm-hmm. right? just just to have someone standing there count counting to five <laughs> <on the> <laughs> <box>. <laughs> yeah I guess so like obviously there's there's much more important things than that but yeah, it is funny um, when when you look at it that way. Where you know, obviously we know that if it's going to be a box kick, I just think that they should set up much quicker. You know, if if you know how the game is gonna uh, is gonna be going, and you you know the tempo of the game you want to do, then you you don't want your team to set up. You know, especially uh, a team that can that is very good at countering. You know, you don't want to set the team up like that too. To, yeah. to to kick a ball and then force them into countering and, and scoring a try against you. So yeah, like um <laughs> I, I mean it, 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 it is funny when you say it. Um I didn't even really think of it that way. I was just looking at him while during the game. I was like, really? <laughs> you know, because I, think, I remember like I think we we all we've all done it in the past. Um we've all Yeah <laughs> I mean, I do it constantly. When I get to a line out, uh, I'm probably the worst for it. I don't. I I wouldn't call it sledging. It's just I chat a lot during the game. You know, I'm always. Yeah. It's right, boys. He's got nothing. He can't tackle. He's a turnstile. But when you look at it and you sit there and you think, actually, it, it is sledging because I'm getting to him, and it's funny to watch yeah. the players sort of get 
more and more irate and get more and more red in the face and get more and more angry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is funny. Just uh, I'm probably the world's worst for it. Um, well, not the worst, um, but out of me and a few people that I know do it, I'm probably the worst person to do <laughs> it. Um, but it, it just makes for a more entertaining game, I think. But if you say leave it to the cricketers, mate, um, I'll, I guess I have to go and get me batting pads out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, I mean, yes, it, it is sometimes good sport to to definitely like wind up the, the opposition. Um, but I mean, to to that extent, sometimes it's, it's a bit too much. And um, I've played with you before, so I know exactly what you mean by you saying you're doing it before. So um, I'm guilty. I've done it a couple of times while getting into, you know, um, a player's head. Uh, my, 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 my method of doing it, I, I wouldn't really say too much. It will be in like in something that I'll do. I'll if I if I tackle to clear or something like that, you know, I'll just give him a small, you know, a small curse word in Afrikaans, which I'm not gonna say on air because I don't want to get in trouble. But <laughs> I just usually, I um, I'll just yeah. usually ruffle their hair and go, that'll do, that'll do. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just you know, I just give him a word or two, you know, make sure that it's a it's a very common word for anybody who's South African or everybody who knows anything about South Africa, you know, a very common word. And that, that usually like, you know, turns the gears and stuff like that. And it, a lot of hate gets um, thrown towards me, but that's fine. If you can focus on me and, you know, forget the rest of the 14 other players in the field, then I'm happy with that. So yeah, there's, there's some times that I definitely do it, but I'm, I mean, like when, <laughs> when you let you take it <laughs> five seconds out of a game, you know, just like uh, using it to 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 frustrate the, the the opposite team more, and you know that you wanna you you know you wanna you wanna move forward with the game, especially with you struggling um, during the game. I, I I mean, like it's it's not beneficial. It's not beneficial. That's that's just my opinion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can see it. it. It is funny, and sometimes I I do like, you know, throwing the the the, the odd curse word uh, at a couple of other players, and you know, after the game they'll come up to me and say, "Oh, what does that mean?" And I'm like, "Oh, it means uh, I I got you," you know. <laughs> sometimes yeah. Oh, mate, it, it, it is <laughs> funny to watch them. Um, to watch them. Uh sort of look at you as if to say, I can't believe he's he's saying this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Um, yeah, I think there, there, there's a time and a place for it and um, it should be kept to, not a minimal, but um, it should be kept to um, the right place and the right time. Um, I don't yeah. agree with, with counting so the ref gets gets that idea in his head because he's constantly going to be counting in his head. Then you put you put the you put the referees off or the officials as we call them in rugby. Um, yeah. Then yeah, I think I think you're starting to play with fire there. Yeah. I, and and talking about playing with fire, oh mate, 
Peter, um, oh, I'm going to butcher his name, to be honest. <laughs> Mate, I butcher the South African ones. You butcher the Irish ones. So it's even Stevens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. I was thinking of asking. I have a, I have a friend. Um, it's a mutual friend of ours, James. Uh, um, uh, John Howland. Yeah. I was going to ask him if he could um, like uh, pronounce it for me before I jumped onto the pod. But then I thought, ah, you know, it's not going to be as original if I if I say it in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I say there was Irish accent before, so. Yeah. Um, mate, for that, if you're if you're on about the player that was red carded over the weekend, yeah, it was of course Peter Omani. Um, Could you say that yeah. again? Um, uh, Peter Omani. Omani, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you, because I would have butchered that to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that was just, it was re- reckless and stupid, man. I, I honestly believe that, especially uh, especially yeah. doing, during a game like that, where it's really important for you to, you know, get points and, and, and read some confidence into, into the rest of the tournament to your players and your mates and, you know, the staff. I, I, I think it's stupid. And, you know, he might possibly, I think it's been confirmed that he will miss um, two more games. So, um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, obviously, yeah. We'll, um, we'll come back on to the suspension later on in the show um, mm-hmm. with, um, obviously, his his record. Um, but, yes, mate, very, very reckless. Um, he knew what he was doing. Um very very stupid as well because he's cost his team the game ultimately if you're running around um for i don't know how long how long hit the island were down to 14 for mm-hmm. but it was first half so if you're running around and you clear a player out like that um It's reckless, it's stupid. By the letter of the law, Wayne Barnes has done the right thing and he's sent him off. Um, yeah. I don't think he can have much, um, uh, much to say about it, really. But what I will say is, mate, is the fact that Johnny Sexton has used Thomas Francis as a tackle pad to oh, yeah. go into the ruck has obviously put... Francis in that position for um, Omani to look at and go, I'm going to absolutely line you up and smash you in yeah. the face. And I think when you look <laughs> at the motion, he's gone from a straight arm to, as Wayne Barnes called it, a chicken wing. But when you watch the chicken, <laughs> as he goes from a straight arm to the chicken wing, he clenches his fist. And I think yeah. that makes it so dangerous because he's he's tensed his arm up. Um, yeah. Uh, mate, yes, reckless, yes, stupid. Let's move on because I'll get irate with it. It is it, it's, it's something that needs to be stamped out. Um, yeah. Yes, Francis was on the wrong side. Sexton's trapped him in there on purpose to try and win a penalty. Um, oh, yeah. And Omani's done what he's done, and he, he's paid the price, and he's crossed his team. Um, yeah. A, a very out of form Wales team at the moment. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um another another player that I was um looking at um during during the game um 
was um, Louis Ries Zimmet, uh, Zimmet. Um, yeah. Have have we seen enough of him? Because I, I look back at his at his career and he's he's been had a pretty decent career coming up. Uh, um, um, I don't think we've seen enough of him in a Wales shirt in particular. Um, he's very yeah. very good um, at Gloucester. You know, I think he's one of them players that at Gloucester, if if he's if he's available, if he's fit, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, mm-hmm. He brings you something else. He has wheels for days. I reckon if him and Johnny May was to have uh, a race, um, it would be very very tight. And to have Gloucester are very lucky to have both him and uh, Johnny May at the club. Um, yeah, as wingers because it gives you that uh, option as a crossfield kick, knowing that one of them two will get to it. Um, yeah, I don't think we've seen enough of Louis uh, of Reece Samit for Wales. Uh, mm-hmm. I know he made his debut in the Autumn Nations Cup against Georgia. Um, yeah, but I, what I would like to say about him is what a finish! Yeah, in the corner. Rugby league style, he's got his legs up in the air and he's put it down with one hand. For a young man, that his confidence levels are through the roof. Yeah. Even though your your national side, Wales, are not playing the best rugby, um, to still finish it and to finish it with a prop like Tad, uh, Tad Fur, uh, can't even say his name, Tag Furlong. Bearing down, mm. he's not a little man. He, yeah, he's a big man. And to have him bearing down on you, and to potentially him smashing you into touch, and to still have the awareness and the ability to put your body in a position where you can score that try, is mm-hmm. is amazing. I think if we, if Gloucester and Wales look after him, he's. Uh, it's a big call, this, but he's another Shane Williams. Yeah. Another yeah. Shane Williams that, you know, you look at him um, and he gave Wales a lot of um, get-out-of-jail-free cards with his, his speed and his agility. I think um, Reese Samit does the same. His He took the ball standing still for that try and he still skinned, I know it was a prop, but he skinned a prop in the centre yeah, to the corner. Um, over five, seven meters. Mm-hmm. So I think when you look at that, um, yeah, he, he's amazing at the moment. He's in probably a little bit out of form himself. So that try will give him a little bit of a confidence boost. Yeah, but not only that, I think it gives Wales that confidence boost that. If we get ball to this young man, there is danger to be had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I and I really think it's good for Wales. I, I absolutely believe it's good for Wales. And yeah, I just I, I can't wait to see more of him in the future. Um, I really think he's he's one of those players that could definitely make an impact. Um, he's already done it, you know, to to an extent. So yeah, I really think uh, great. going he's, further on. Um, yeah, he, he's one of them players that is sort of takes your breath away when you watch him. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, I wanted to, um, there's another aspect that I wanted to ask you about. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll give my views afterwards um, about this question, but um, the kick tennis, are we see, is it making the game boring? Um, do we need to see like some type of law to prevent the kick tennis? Um, let's, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it in two parts. I'll answer it as a fan <laughs> and then I'll answer it as a rugby. My fan answer is yes, it's making the game very, very boring. <laughs> um, do we need a law change to prevent it? Possibly. <laughs> um, take my fan cap off and answer it as a rugby player. Um, and you're watching the games. Obviously, you when you watch the Six Nations and you watch professional rugby, you watch it as you watch it as a fan, mm-hmm. and then some people watch it again and watch it as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I do both. When I watch it as a player, I look at the kick tennis and I see uh, I see why they're doing it, mm-hmm. and the reason why they're doing it is because your goal kickers nowadays um, are pretty much going to land. 10 out of 10 kicks inside 30 metres on the angle, no matter what, yeah. in tough conditions. They're, that's the sort of standard we're playing with at the moment. Yeah. Maybe 9 out of 10 kicks if they're having a bit of a bad day. Uh-huh. But if you put the ball up, kick tennis, and they make a mistake, and you can profit off of that, it's better to make a mistake on halfway yeah, and build and try and defend it. I think teams are putting the ball up in the air. It's coming down on halfway, and they're thinking, okay, if we win this back, we've got a net gain of 25, 30 metres, mm-hmm. and we can build on it. To make 20, 25, 30 metres, sometimes even 40 metres in a game, in one movement is very unheard of, mm-hmm. especially when... The defensive sides now, you look at England's defence at the last um, Six Nations and the World Cup was very strong. France's um, defence with uh, Sean, um, I think his name Sean Edwards mm-hmm. um, at France. Defence is changing the game. And I think what you've got to look at is... Um, something that was said um, by a pundit in American football is attack may win your games, but it's defence that wins your championship. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where play teams are looking at that defensive aspect and going, okay, we're not penetrating the team from 50, 60 metres out. So why not? Let's stick a high ball up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's try and keep it outside of the 22 because if they call Mark, it's a free kick. We're starting back in our 22. So let's put a ball up roughly about, let's say, five metres out from the 22. So about 27 metres out from the try line. Mm-hmm. If we do that, we've got 27 metres to make up. If we can do that, that's that's easier than trying to make 50, 60 metres up. Yeah. So I think players are using it, our teams are using it as a, as a tactic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going back to my fans... Um, point of view, I think it is making the game boring. Um, I don't know what they could do to change the law. Maybe look at the amount of kicks that can happen in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just fans turning turning the telly on, and the first ten minutes of a game is just kick tennis. 
we used to we used to do it at Greenwich during a warm up. We used to do, you know, kick tennis. Um, and then after like five kicks, um, you decide whether you want to kick again or you attack. Yeah. Um, it's a not it's it's an easy way to warm up. I wouldn't want to go running into someone like Itoje or um, Billy Vanapola <laughs> after ten minutes because they're going to still be fresh. They're still going to be wanting to play and stuff like that. So yeah. I can see why they're doing it, and I think it's being used more as a tactic rather than just to bore us. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how you you change the laws on that, whether you could or not. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. As a as a fan, yes, it's boring. As a player, I can see why they're doing it. Yeah, I I can I can somewhat agree with you. Um, I I definitely agree. Yes, it's they're using it as a tactic and. It's really, it's really good to, to see how like um, teams are utilizing every single inch of the of the pitch uh, of the pitch. Like I remember when we were still playing together, you used to tell me that it's very important for the player to know the rules so that they know how to bend around it, or I wouldn't say bend around, but to how to use it to the best of their abilities, you know, um, and, yes. and and put it into yes. their game plan. So. I definitely think that um, the tennis is definitely uh, a tactic that is also to play on the mind. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, it, I'm not, yeah, because as a forward, I'm not being funny. If you see the ball go up in the air, you're standing there thinking, oh, I can't be asked to chase this. <laughs> I know it's only 10 minutes in, but I am not running shuttles for fun. And I think that's what it feels like for forward sometimes. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're standing there, right, okay, let's, let's for argument's sake, Farrell's put the ball in the air and he was the last man back. Farrell's got to run all the way in front of you's lot before you guys are on side. Yeah. Um, for then him, for then you guys to chase, for then someone else to put a kick up for you to chase back. Do you see mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's becoming a shuttle. And I don't think players want that. I think players, especially the bigger players, um, you know, the forward pack, they don't want to be doing that for 80 minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like, uh, it depends on how 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 often do they use it. You know, like, uh, I know um, people um, gave Faf de Clerv a lot of stick um, during the, the the World Cup, the World Cup campaign. Um, bless you. Um I know that definitely there was a lot of stick about him kicking, but um, that played into um, the Springs the Springboks game pretty well. Is that they wanted to to you know keep the momentum moving forward. They wanted to force teams into a situation where they had to kick and give away possession or potentially drop the ball to then utilize the scrum. And yeah, I, I I do think that it's a it's a brilliant tactic when it when it's useful. But if it's just like you, as you mentioned before, ten minutes of just kicking straight into each other's hands and nothing really coming from it, it it does get to a point where you're like, oh, okay, now like I I I want to see rugby, you know, I don't want to see kick tennis. So I I definitely understand like that point of view. Um, yeah, but I I think that having tactics um, that could definitely you know put the the opposition off. Um, for for a couple of seconds, it definitely doesn't does help. It, it does benefit the team, 
And um, I mean, like it's it's the same thing when when you look at. Uh, I remember um, playing as well. Is that um, there there were teams that you know they would they would look at me, especially when I was in fullback or wing position, and they would they would test you. You know, they, they would test you literally, uh, giving you the high balls, putting pressure on you, seeing if you can collect it and build something from it, or you're just gonna return it, and that gives them you know that. Um, that position um, possession again, and you know, forcing it down the, the the forwards' throats and down the backs and running down my channel. So, yeah, it's definitely um, something that uh, forces the the opposition to to think quite quick on the feet. Luckily enough for me, uh, um, the first season I would like to say was horrible over the high ball, and um, through very gruesome training, um, I definitely got better as as it went on and on. Um, and yeah, now it's it's an asset to to the team. Is whenever a ball is kicked back, they they're pretty sure enough that you know I'll be under the ball and I'll be able to at least take them back to the starting point from the kick, you know, or close enough to 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 then make the difference where we've we've now not only gathered um, possession but we've also now pushed up a, a couple of meters. So yeah, I definitely do think that that it helps. Um, you you want to see how you want to utilize it, um, and if especially in in a professional game, if if both you know the 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 kickers such as your tens, your fullbacks, you know um, your nines as well, if all of them are you know really good at collecting and returning and you know putting every play in the correct place at the same time, I think it does get a bit. Like a bit boring, but then yet again, for people like myself, as the backs, it's a bit exciting because then, who's gonna crack first? It's 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 that thought to, you know, who's gonna drop the ball first? Who's gonna force that error, and then gain that extra yards for then our forwards to work our scrum or, you know, to work that line out, um, to force force us over and then help help the backs look pretty <laughs> after scoring that try under the post. So yeah. <laughs> I definitely think it's 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 a yeah. good it's a good thing um, when it's used for the right tactic. Yes, mate. I I I feel like I I, I need to agree with you after what you've said. Um, it, it is you is very much used as a tactic nowadays, but it's a tactic that's getting very very boring very mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, shall we move on? Yeah. Um. Okay, for those that out there that are listening to um, today's podcast, thank you, uh, thank you so much. Um, it means a lot for um, myself and Will um, that after we we decided to obviously take this on, that people have actually responded and people actually are listening to the pod, um, which is something we wasn't expecting. So just to say thank you, we're doing a few shout outs. Um, we've asked 10 people that myself and Will know um, five questions Um, the five questions are what is your full name or nickname on the field Um, what club do you currently play for or have Mm -hmm. played for Um, because some people may have retired Um, what is your position obviously when you play rugby Um, what is your favourite moment as a rugby player and what is your favourite rugby moment of all time? Um, some people have answered that as a player. Then uh-huh. again, 
but some people have answered it as a fan. Um, mate, this was um, your idea. So do you want to kick off with our first? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, yeah, it was just it was just something that we wanted to do um, before I start. It was just something I wanted to do to show our appreciation to everybody that, you know, tunes in um, week by week and actually gives us a, a, a listen. And um, we just wanted to give back just to say thank you, um, you know, for taking the, the, the time to listen to us and, you know, to listen to all these different amazing people that have come onto the pod and, you know, spoken about rugby and spoken about something that they're passionate about. So, yeah, um, thank you yet again a lot. Um, in saying that, the first person that I have is um, a friend of mine that I play with at Greenwich currently, and his name is Rich Hatch. Um, he plays for Greenwich, and his favorite position is hooker. And when I asked him this question uh, um, about what his favorite moment as a rugby player is, um, he, he came down to a very a very specific uh, moment um, for 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 as a team, which which really which really made me smile when listening to it. He said, "Anytime we don't dominate the scrum, or when we continuously steal balls, um, I think that definitely helps the forwards when you know you have a a really solid hooker and, and a really solid um, scrum." when they're dominating scrums and, you know, continuously stealing balls and gaining possession. And that puts us back, also uh, gives us that, that breath of confidence that our forwards are working hard, so we need to perform as well. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree when he says that um, as his favourite moment as a player is, is, is when they dominate scrums and steal balls. Um, and then the... Other question that I asked him is, what was his favorite moment of uh, rugby moment of all time? And he came back to the the World Cup. He said, um, England beating New Zealand in the last World Cup. It was an all round complete performance against a team um, we were supposed to not beat. So um, a lot of people were were, were saying. I, I remember um, a couple of my my friends saying that yeah, there was no way England was going to pass New Zealand in the semis. And England absolutely just went out there and played their hearts out and absolutely just dominated um, that game. And a lot of people say that they played their, their semis in their final. Um, I won't make a comment on that, obviously, because I'm a springbok myself. So it might <laughs> cover a bit of backlash. But, yeah, I definitely want to agree that um, that was definitely one of the best all-round performance games that I've seen from England. And especially against a team like New Zealand, it's it's something definitely to be proud of, 100%. Yeah, yeah mate. Um, moving on um, is um, Rich's brother, Matthew Hatch, um, someone that I've obviously played alongside um, for quite a few years. Um, he currently plays for Greenwich Rugby Club. Um, an interesting fact about the brothers is they've never played for another rugby club uh, at all. Um, they love Greenwich so much that they went out and got tattoos of the club's crest mm. on their chest. Um, Matty plays um, prop. Um, he doesn't mind either side. Um, I know when I've packed down at Greenwich, he always tells me he prefers loose head, so I tend to play tight head. Um, but he doesn't mind playing either side. He's very versatile, which is rare to see these days um, from a prop. 
but I think it's more common in the grassroots level game that you need to be adaptable. Um, so, yeah, well done to Matty. Yeah. Um, his favourite moment, he said, as a rugby player was beating Snowden um, back in April. I think it was 2017. I was part of the team um, to win the Kent Salva. Um that was a game that I remembered a lot, in particular for me. Um, it was a race um, for fitness. Um, I sustained a concussion in the semi-final a week mm-hmm. earlier. Um, and it was a race to be fit, um, to get uh, to get fit. Um, I made it. I started at eight. Um, we had an unreal team that year um, to the point where people were playing out of position because there was... Um, I think Stuart was our nine for the season um, and Kieran had um, come back for a brief like loan spell, if you like. Um, and he slotted straight in at nine and Stuart went back to, uh, Stuart Winfield went back to 15. So, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a day to remember. So I'm with you on that one, Matty. Um, his favourite rugby moment of all time was the first ever England versus All Blacks game. At Blackheath, England went on to one seven nil, but it was extremely controversial. Um, Matty, I don't know much about that. If you are listening, um, it's something that I'll he- either have to research or I'll get you on the show to uh, talk about. Um, so, Matty, thank you for that. Yeah, uh, we uh, when I when I was asking that question, we definitely spoke about it a little bit, and I I told him that that's literally something I want to. Sh- I wanted to share that story, um, but then reconsidering it was like, you know what? I think it would be better coming from someone that was there and actually um, played the game. And I think that, yeah, um, you would you would want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. So, um, if you listen, if you're listening, Matt, like yeah, man, like I said before, oh, we would love to have you on the pod and you know to share that story with us. Um, so yeah, um, thank you yet again. Uh, so to the next person, um, this is a guy I know back from South Africa, um, a, a few years to my younger, but definitely like um, someone I consider a friend. Um, his name is Tyron Sneijans, um, but on the field they call him Twilin because he's actually a twin. Um, he plays for the local rugby club called Topak Rugby. Um, it's situated in Tostrophy in the Western Cape, um, obviously back in South Africa. And that is where I spent my last couple of years before coming to the UK and finally setting, settling down here. So, yeah, um, definitely a town that's very close to my heart. And, yeah, he played he played for, for, for the local club and he's absolutely a beast, man. Um, absolutely a beast. He also went on to play for Borland. Um, for the under-20s last year. Um, they also really good um, college and also a really good team to, to play for. So it's definitely um, a, a very good achievement. But the biggest achievement that I would say that he did was he went to play for the Sharks, which is amazing because very, very few people um, get the opportunity to play there. So, yeah, definitely um it's 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 one of those those special special type of players and people that um, I've got to meet. So thank you very much, bro. Um, his favorite position is 
um, flanker. So he he would like a six or seven, doesn't matter if it's tight or loose. He normally um, plays the loose uh, as a loose forward either way. So he doesn't mind where you stick him. He, he performs in all of them. And his twin brother actually plays opposite him as well. So um, that's really good that, you know, they can literally swap during a game or, you know, be placed anywhere in in the forward team and, and actually perform. So, yeah, they, they're absolutely beast. When I asked him what his favorite moment um, was, um, it came to something that I really like as well, is my favorite moment is when you get to run out on the field, um, when you exit the locker room full of motivation. I think that is probably the best feeling um, that I definitely want to feel again, James. I, I hope I don't speak for, my, for myself when I say that. Um, if we ever get the chance to play again, that's probably going to be that exciting moment of, you know, running, running onto the to the pitch and breathing in that cold, fresh air, you know, and knowing that this is going to be war, You're going out for war, and you, you just pumped for for that game. So yeah, I can definitely um, relate to to him saying that. And then when I asked him what his favorite. Rugby moment of all time was, he says, the day I played for my hometown team, Del Park Rugby Club, he said, I always dreamed of playing for them. And when he was a youngster and when he finally achieved it, it was just through the de um, determination and the hard work that he put through. So yes, um, 100%, uh, I know personally the, the, the work that he put in and, you know, going out every day to train when no one else was training and, pushing himself hard in the gym and, you know, um, yeah, getting himself to, to become a better player, um, both his brother and himself. So, yeah, man, um, absolutely. Thank you, bro. Um, definitely um, someone I consider like really, a really, really good player. And I wish I had the opportunity to play with him because he's an absolute beast. Definitely don't want to play against him. <laughs> but yeah, um, yes, it, it was really good to, to, to have, to have him, um, get back to us and he says definitely that he's you'll he, tune into to all things rugby so i'm happy about that too so bye bye danke tyron um mate just quickly for all the english um fans out there what have you just said to him in afrikaans oh yeah uh, so i told him i said thank you very much and i hope he enjoys his day brilliant mate um I know we've got some catch-up to do on my Afrikaans lessons. Uh, <laughs> I'm still learning. Um, but moving on, um, our fourth shout-out is the one and only John Howlin. Mm -hmm. um, again, another player that I've played alongside. Um, uh, another nickname he goes by is Furry, uh, the animal, or Howlin. We all know why he calls him Furry. It's because he's literally like um, <laughs> Chewbacca off Star Wars. He, he He's just full of hair, um, <laughs> apart from his head. <laughs> um, he currently plays at Greenwich, another lad from Greenwich. Um, he played for Sikup um, when he was a teenager. Um, and he also went on to try out at Kent. He played secondary school rugby for St. Mary and St. Joseph Mojo's. Um, his favourite position to play is a bit like, um, if I say his name right, Tyron. Um, yeah. Current 
So either side of the flanker um, doesn't mind open or um, blind side. Um, he was a hooker in primary school, though. <laughs> Unlucky. Must have been a porker. Um, <laughs> he said his favourite moment as a rugby player was when he first played for Sick Cup at 15. He was playing in a tournament and hurt, and our best player got hurt, so he decided to take revenge. We scored a try from the kickoff. I caught it and scored a try from my own team kick in, say, 30 seconds. And that's one moment that will never leave me. Um, John, I, I, I know you've been old, uh, got a lot older, mate, but why didn't you do that for Grinny? His favourite rugby moment of all time is watching Invictus for the first time. Um, and I was in awe about the game. It wasn't the only game, but the meaning. It wasn't only the game, but the meaning behind it. Watching that movie makes me want to pick up a ball and just play. Um, yeah. I think it does everyone. Um, it's 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 one of them movies that you sort of get behind. Um, and who doesn't like um, Morgan Freeman playing Nelson Mandela? Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, it, it's. I mean, like we, when we when. Um, I was asking him the question and, and we spoke about it. It's, it's just like watching that movie reminded you how big the game was, you know. Um, unluckily, unfortunately, I was born the next year. I was born in, um, no, sorry, I was born in the same year, but uh, obviously I couldn't understand what was going on because, yeah, it was literally a few months after uh, before, my, before my birth. So um, when I watched the game, um, many, many years later, I, I realized how much it meant for South Africa to be playing in the World Cup, to unite nations that um, before have, haven't, you know, been able yeah, to at the same table, you know. So uh, it was a really good moment. And I think that South Africa deserved a win that united the nations. I mean, like, it seems like every World Cup we win, like we get closer and closer, which is, really good that you know through rugby that we can connect like that so yeah um when he said that i definitely um related to what he was saying and the feeling of you know wanting to pick up a ball and, and actually go out and play so yeah i, I couldn't agree anymore yeah mate um yeah so i'll jump into the next one. yeah yeah, um, our next shout out is um, Greenwich co-captain. Um, his name is Gurge, uh, Gurge Singh. We all just call him on, this, um, on the field Gurge. Um, as I mentioned before, he plays for Greenwich and his position is fly half. Um, when, I was, when I asked him what his favorite moment as a rugby player was, he says scoring the last minute try on home ground to win a game and potentially win the league. I mean, there's nothing better than that, to be honest. Um, I've, you know, it's every it's every backstream to to um, you know score the uh, a last minute try that um, puts them into winning the league or you know just winning a game in general. You know, that last winning try and you know that you're nearly defeated and out of the blue comes a wonder where everything just fits into straight. And, and like Jingle Blocks is, is fits into state everything just perfectly. And then, you know, 
scoring that tie and you know having all your mates and and the rest of your team like celebrating with you is, is, is an amazing feeling so yeah i definitely um related when he said said to that i've, I've done that a couple of times but n- never to that that um to that extent where potentially winning a league so that's good um i asked him what his favorite rugby moment of all time and he said watching england at twickenham for the first time he said it was an experience that you'll never forget a funny thing is james i've never been to twickenham um, never been. It, mate, it's, it's it's a surreal experience i've been um with um some of the boys from the rugby club i've been with my partner um mm-hmm. i've been to games where it's only like 20 30,000 and I've been to games where it's an absolute sellout it doesn't change the atmosphere is incredible so yeah I can I can agree with that rugby moment of all time yeah it's probably watching England play at Twickenham for the first time ever is mm. just an experience you'll never ever forget um moving on um we have Najib or Naj as he's known at um Greenwich um his position is fullback. However, he said that he wouldn't mind um, having a go at trying to play at flanker. It seems everyone wants to have a go at it, uh, that position nowadays, mate. Um, yeah. I asked him again um, his favourite moment as a player, and he said at the end of the game, when the greeting, uh, when greeting the other team and the sportsmanship, I like the respect between players and teams. I think that's mm-hmm. what rugby comes down to, mate. Isn't it? It's, it's the respect that you yeah. have for one another after the game. It doesn't matter what's happened on the pitch, what's been said. You still shake hands, you buy each other a pint and you go You go off at the end of the day. So, yeah. Um, he said his favourite rugby moment of all time is the first time I saw the hucker um, at a game. I didn't know what it meant, but I knew it was powerful. I searched it and fell in love. I think everyone does that. As soon as you watch your first hacker, whether it's live yeah. in front of you at a game, or you know, it's one of them ones where you've had to watch it on telly. You, you, everyone gets goosebumps, don't they? It's one of them. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just absolutely amazing, man. Especially the culture behind it and the, the, um, the reasoning behind the words, and you know, um, it's just beautiful, man. It's just, you know, something that it's definitely well accepted in rugby. I, I definitely think that rugby wouldn't have been the same without you know, facing down the hacker. So, yeah, man, it's 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 a beautiful thing. Yeah, mate, definitely couldn't agree more. Yeah, so um, down to our number seven, um, we've got a fellow friend of mine and also former teammate, uh, Kieran Ryan. Um, he had a few nicknames, but um, the one that stick the most was Scrappy Doo. <laughs> so, so that, do, you know, do you know why that is? Yeah. <laughs> Because it was always him getting into a fight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so we, we, we nicknamed well, I didn't nickname him. But that was the nickname he was given um, and it sort of stuck. Uh, it was a nickname when he had when I first turned up was Scrappy-Doo. Yeah. Um, it was because he, he was always, if there was a fight to be had, Kieran wasn't far from it. Yeah. I mean, that's the nice job, basically, you know, either from distributing the yeah. ball and always being there during rough times and everything. I think it's 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 their job to be a bit mouthy and 
you know, to scrap when they need to. And then when the bigger fellas step in, that's when the rest of the forwards step in, you know, and and <laughs> and deal with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we asked him what um, club he's currently playing for, and he said he's currently in um, far north Queensland in Australia, and it's mainly league, so he's not playing at the moment. So um, that's the that's the team he plays for is um, far north Queensland in Australia. Um, but obviously during this whole pandemic and everything going on, that he's not playing at the moment because there's only league happening right now. I asked him what his position was, and he came back to scrum and fullback, and yet again, someone that would like to be a flanker, um, which is probably the... Mate, I, the... Think, I think <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of them positions everyone wants to play. Yeah. I, I It's weird. I started off at, at flanker as well, so... I, I get the gist of why everybody wants to play there. It's very difficult um, position, to be honest. Uh, it's very difficult and very um, physically demanding. But yeah, it's 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 a really good position. So yeah, um, continuing, I said, what is your favorite moment as a player? And he said, I have two. One is winning the league in my first year as captain for Greenwich, um, which I wasn't part of, sadly. But yeah, hopefully. We'll get some silverware soon. And then he said, two, receiving the player of the season award in my first season at the level six um, and level six grassroots um, playing with um, Darfonians um, rugby club. So that's really uh, a great achievement for your first, first season to join the club and you receive the player of the season award at the end. It, it really says a lot about his character and about him. And then when I asked him his favorite rugby moment of all time, um, we came apart. He said, besides the above, the two above, he said that um, Sporting England um, winning the, the, the World Cup in 2003, um, which was a very, very good World Cup. Uh, I don't like to think about it too much, but yeah, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. Um, was last week's guest, uh, Josh Rudrum. Um, he's even known as Rudders or Dave on the pitch. Um, I don't know why. Uh, he currently plays for Charlton Park. Um, another hooker. Um, mm -hmm. He said his favourite moment as a player was winning every game in the Twos League in 2017-18. Um, I think that's a big achievement when you look at um, grassroots, the amount of players that drip in and out of teams. You don't mm -hmm. always have the same team every week. So yeah. for uh, uh, a team to go out and win every game in a second team league um, a few years ago is, is a massive achievement. Um, he's, of course, a proud Irishman. Um, yeah. So his favourite rugby moment of all time was watching Ireland beating New Zealand for the first time. He also said that it's a toss-up between that or Quinns winning the league. Um, and that's, of course, Harlequins in the Premiership. Mm -hmm. um, won their first title, I think it was back in 2012. Um, do you want to move on? It's one of my, my good friends, number nine. Yeah, I, I would like to go on. Um, his name is um, James Sparks. Uh, he currently plays yeah, for... Um, he, go ahead. He does have a nickname. Um he does have a nickname. He's known as Sparky. Um, 
and yeah, just uh, he's just an all-round nice guy to play with. Amazing. And alongside. Um, he says, what club do we kind of play for? And he said that um, London, South London Silverbacks used to play for Greenwich Admiral Moors, which I did not know. Um, that is cool that he, that he played for them as well. I know that he played for Silverbacks, but um, I didn't know that he played for, um, for Greenwich Admirals. Yeah, Greenwich Admirals was a... Um... Greenwich Admirals was a rugby league side um, that was based at where we used to play at Greenwich yeah. for a, a period of time. Um, and then they went on to play where um, Blackheath now plays. So, yeah. Okay, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and he said his um, position is either prop or second row. You have to gain another beast. Um, and I asked him, well, you asked him what his favourite moment as a rugby player was. Um, and he said touring Australia and New Zealand, that's always something that I wanted to do was to visit those countries and probably catch a, a game that side as well, because I know the, the passion is going to be the same as, you know, in South Africa, as in, as in England or any type of tier one um, team that, that played up there. I know the atmosphere would be just as amazing. And obviously I would like to see... Um, New Zealand performed the haka in, in real life as well. So that's definitely on the bucket list. And then when asked what his favorite rugby moment of all time was, is scoring the winning try in the grand final against Southampton Spitfires. Um, yet again, we have someone that uh, scores the winning try against um, in a final against uh, a really good team. So, yeah, it's... Um, props to him for, for scoring that try. I would like to know how he did it, but hopefully um, we'll get him um, to, to you know speak up on it um, next time we have him. No, in Sparky, he probably just fell over the line. It was a mistake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, number 10 is our first um, women uh, woman to... Um, come on to the podcast, which was Alex, um, also known as Polish. Um, she currently plays for Saracens Women, um, has played for Richmond Women and Blackheath Women's Team. Mm-hmm. Um, another prop. Um, she, We've asked her what her favourite moment was as a player and she turned around and said, playing live on Sky Sports. Um, I don't think many people can turn around and say that. So for that yeah. to have happened is a very big achievement. Yeah. Um, her favourite rugby moment of all time, she said again, was Saris versus Quinn's women at the Twickenham Stoop, just across the road from Twickenham. Uh-huh. Um, and they won the game after being behind at half-time. Um, Best feeling in the world. Mate, let, let's... We've obviously spoke about some of the shout-outs. Um, for you, um, what is your favourite moment as a player and probably your favourite moment of all time? Favorite moment as a player, man. I have, I literally have so many. Um, there's one that I, I definitely enjoyed is that um, I remember it was early in a game. This was still back when I was playing in South Africa. It was early in a game, and um, one of our teammates went off um, due to um, just reckless behavior. So we were down to 14 men, and it was really early in the game. And during the first half, it was just, you know, they were absolutely battering us. They weren't scoring a lot of tries, but a lot of penalties. So 
you know, we we probably in the first half, it was probably like, I would say 15 nil, um, just of the penalties that they were causing. And when we came on for that, for that second half, mate, they didn't even really see our half. All we would do was just scoring tries past them and penalties. And it was, oh, it was an amazing feeling. I, I don't remember the exact um, points uh, at the end, but we definitely, definitely kicked their behinds. And I would say it's a favorite moment as a player. I also scored one of the the, the, the tries. And I remember just celebrating with, with my team. And uh, it's, it's the best feeling in the world, man. You can't... <laughs> Gone, you can't take that away as a player. Um, and then my favorite moment, um, just in the rugby of, of all time, I have two. I have two. Uh, the first one is um, obviously the, the, the 1995 World Cup, but I, I don't think it, anything could beat that. Um, just the emotion behind it, as we mentioned earlier with John. Um, the motion behind it, what it meant for the country and what it meant for the players and obviously playing against New Zealand as well. So it was a really, really special game. And um, when I, you know, watch that game, I, I understand the, the emotion and everything that surrounds it. So, yeah. And then the second one is definitely when we, when Kobe stepped Farrell. Oh, gosh. Oh, I absolutely loved it. Um I know like a lot of people are gonna are gonna give me some backlash for that, but I and think that, uh, that... and that's it that's it for this week because <laughs> the line that you should never have ever <laughs> I know like a, a lot of people are oh mate when but look you have to think that Farrell is definitely one of the best um defenders, like one of the most one of the best defensive players like you you're not going to easily get past him and he makes always his tackles work even though most of them are a bit high and you know he needs to learn how to wrap around a little bit but you know all of them are, are, are really good and just to to see someone that 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 got hurt in the semis and was possibly not even supposed to play in the final to actually play and then score the final try nothing beat that mate um i was watching it at the club um with my mates at greenwich and I was literally the only South African supporter and I was screaming my lungs out and crying and singing. And I could see the looks that I was getting <laughs> from my teammates, but I I couldn't care too much because that was it was just absolutely brilliant, man. So yeah, that I would say that those two are my favorite moments. How about yourself? Um as a player, um probably the same as Matt Hatch winning silverware. Um Coming into a team that um, had only won the league um, a few years back, um, I was determined to win some silverware. Um, and I think when we got to the final on that day, um, like I said, it was always a always a race. It was a race for fitness for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I scored two tries in the semi-final against Alpington. Um and then, yeah, I I took a pretty nasty bang on the head um, and I come off. So it was a race to be fit for me. So I think all the emotion and everything like that, it was, it was in April. Um, the emotional of possibly not being able to play in the final, even though I've played 
played in every every game that season. I don't think I missed a game that season. I was the only player to play in every single game. Yeah, um, yeah that was a, that was a big moment um, for me as a player. Um, um, I think my favourite moment of of all time um, wouldn't even be as a fan. Again, it'd be as a player, um, and that'd be reaching the um, grand final um, as a rugby league player in the same yeah. in the same season. Um, I remember I remember playing both both finals. Um, and starting in both finals, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was it was it was a good, good, uh, a good year that year in twenty seventeen. I think I played in, I played in, um, oh yeah, twenty seventeen. I played in two set. I'd got all the way to two finals. I won one and I lost one, and it was just totally different emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I cried in both of them for different reasons. Yeah. One was tears of joy when we won. I remember when the final whistle going, just collapsing on the floor in a heap and just crying, um, looking up to the heavens, um, and sort of saying to my granddad, I've done it. Uh, I've, I've won silverware. It's what I set out to do when I joined Greenwich. I, I'd won something. Um, and then two weeks later, we went on and lost um to a very good Brixton side um in the grand final but it was our first season together as a group of lads um it was the first season that we had as a team so yeah that was a massive achievement and to go on and play in the final even though we lost was still massive um it didn't affect us we went to we've done back to back finals um which was something that I've been proud to be a part of um yeah. And yeah, I'm not an emotional player, but when things hit home, like you set yourself little goals, didn't you, that you want to achieve. And when you achieve them, I I do tend to get a little bit emotional about yeah. it. Um, should we move on? Yeah, just before we go, um, yet again, we just want to thank every other person um, that has sent in their, um, their answers um, to the questions that we had. Thank you so much for taking your time out. And actually, um, I got the, t- the chance to to connect with a couple more of the guys just speaking um, through through Zoom or either through Messenger, through video call. So it was really nice to catch up with them. And yeah, we just want to say thank every single person that um, came back with an answer. And yeah, we we appreciate you guys, man, for you know going out there and playing the sport that you guys love. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, guys, massive thanks. Um, if you guys want to be featured in um, another shout-out um, at any point, please don't be afraid to send in um, answers to the questions. We'll get it put up on our Instagram page and mm-hmm. Facebook page. Um, but, yeah, once again, thank you so much, guys, for participating. It is a massive um massive thanks because without you guys listening we wouldn't want to put the energy and the effort into producing podcasts yeah um thank you um moving on mate mm-hmm. discipline um england's discipline over the weekend was really poor they gave away um 
considerable amount of penalties against yeah. Scotland. Um, how do you, in terms of discipline, mm-hmm. how do you think teams deal with that um, and deal with the added pressure of, okay, we're starting to rack up too many penalties here? Yeah. Um, I mean, I can I can only speak from a, a personal point of view. Uh, I mean, every team, every player has has, has once had a, a disciplinary warning, or you know, has either had a card or, or two. Um, and it's and it's difficult because when you're in the heat of the moment, um, sometimes discipline gets uh, goes out the window, you know, and you forget the reason why. It's a very technical sport where, you know, yes, we, we are roughing each other up, but there needs to be respect and mutual um, discipline between between teams. So it's very difficult to deal with, with a team that, that does not see that um, racking up penalties is a, is, is, is a bad thing, you know. So, um, yeah, you definitely want to look at – you definitely want to look at it uh, before even halftime. You want to look at it during a game and say, you know, that's – you know, um, let's 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 make sure that our discipline is there. You know, you you don't want to upset the ref um, and force the ref into into places where you want to force him to give you penalties that many people won't consider penalties, but because of uh, your your poor discipline, yeah, it, it it just could make the game worse for you. So yeah, um, I guess to answer the question straightforward, I think it's just just have a chat with each other. Give that, give each other that motivation that they can do better and play better, you know, and just give that extra morale boost. And I think discipline definitely is one of the key things in rugby that you, every player and every every person that is interested in rugby should understand. Yeah, mate, um, I, I strongly agree with you there. That it is, it's a difficult one. Um, <laughs> Your discipline records, mate. Are you a good boy on the pitch? You're a bad boy. I mean, I've never seen you pick up a yellow plane at Greenwich, so or a red. Yeah. I, I, I hope I don't get backlash for this, but I just haven't been caught. You know, <laughs> 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 I, just, <laughs> you know I just haven't been caught, um, mate. Uh, I've done I've done a couple of stuff that definitely would have deserved me a red card. Um, and I, and <laughs> I don't want to say too much, you know, so that uh, the next team that I'm playing are looking out for these certain things, and especially not the ref looking out for these certain things. But yeah, um, I've I've done my fair share, mate. <laughs> That's the reason why I'm, I was so adamant to say I I would I would classify myself as as a good and a bad boy. It depends. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't put myself in one in one specific. If I said I'm bad, then I would be lying because obviously I haven't received a card yet. From my knowledge, I haven't received a card and um, in my rugby career so far. Um, but then yet you're a lucky boy, then, isn't you? Yeah, but then that <laughs> means I also haven't been caught, so that's also not a good thing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's just. Yeah. Besides cards, I would I would definitely say yeah. I'm I'm not the I'm not the sweetest guy in the field, but I'm also not the the meanest guy. So yeah, I I have to go with the fifty fifty. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> How about yourself? Like, what 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 is your what is your record? Um. Uh, <laughs> I've had two reds in my career. Yeah. Um. I've had numerous amounts of yellow. I think I've hit double figures now. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's because I'm so big now um, and I can't move quick enough as well as I did when I was younger. Yeah. I get caught a little bit more. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely one of those that likes to edge on the, um, the caution side. Yeah. Um, I'm not... A, a dirty player as such mm-hmm. um i think i think like like you said you, some players just get wound up in the heat at the moment and they react and obviously every action has a reaction um, and sometimes yeah. a reaction is an official pulling a yellow or red card out in front of your face um it's not it's it's hard to um to describe really that that sort of feeling that when you are disciplined but it, it it's hard because yeah i'm one of them players that i'm constantly reading the law book i'm constantly looking at the new law adaptations and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that when i do step on the pitch i know the dark areas that i might get away with <laughs> um, <laughs> um kids don't try that at home you get into very very uh, a vast amount of trouble um yeah but yeah, I think I think I think every player does. I think every player, if you if you're serious about playing, you sort of sit there and you look at you look at the um, the laws and stuff like that, and you sort of work out where you can maybe get away with stuff. I, th- I think earlier on you mentioned it bending the rules. Yeah. Um, and it, it is it is a, sometimes it is a case of that. Like if you can get away with something because there's there's a little loophole, then yeah, do it, get away with it. But um, I think you've got to be very very careful these days i think at grassroots level you get away with quite a lot because there isn't um there's just one official there's there's not mm-hmm. three of them there's not a there's not a fourth one sitting on the roadside in a big van with a load of tellies watching you um, yeah. so you're able to get away with a lot more um which then of course on the downside means that you when you play when there are cameras about and stuff like that you get caught um i know there's some a lot of um, I wouldn't say footage if you like, but there's a lot of um photos of um me doing not so nice things. <laughs> <players>. um, <laughs> I think I think the best feeling is when you get someone else simbing, yeah, um, and you know that you you've done it, yeah, you're the one that's wound them up, and you've gotten to that point that they've reacted, and then. As just as they're walking off, I, I sort of whistle. They look back, and I give them a little wave, yeah. as if to as if to say, "Enjoy your ten minutes in the bin, mate." <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely agree with that, man. Um, it's just uh, that it's you know, like um, when when you do something bad, and you know it's bad, and you're not supposed to do it, and it's it's not something that's terrible, but it's it's bad, and you just get this. But you do it anyway. Yeah, like you know, like, <laughs> like you just like, you got away with murder. Like nick, nicking your mum's biscuits out the biscuit. Exactly, job. that's yeah. how it feels. That's exactly how it feels. <laughs> you know you shouldn't do it. You know you can get in trouble, but just you, 
there's no other <laughs> exhilarating feeling like that. So yeah, um, I definitely do enjoy it when I see other people get in trouble and, you know, they walk off and then, you know, yet again, I'll, I'll whisper something into their ear or something like that, which then forces them to either give me a push, you know, or to try to give me a slap in the face. And usually the ref is looking and he will come over and change the, 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 the color of the car, which is the best thing in the world. I'll be playing with a smile the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's it's one of them them things, mate, that I think discipline you it's difficult. It's it's one of them ones that you can talk about it all day long. Yeah. Um and you can sit there in in interviews, um, in um uh, team meetings and that and you can go over it what you're going to do but effectively it comes down to the player's attitude on the game yeah. um, and and what they could potentially do and how they're going to do it and I think if if done right um, you, you can't eradicate discipline and I think that's what makes rugby so great is the fact that we don't see as many yellow and red cards as football yeah but when we do see them, it becomes this massive talking point mm-hmm. because um, most yellow and red cards are to do with safety. It's not because, oh, he tripped me over mm-hmm. like it is in football. Uh, it, it, is, it is to do with safety or recklessness or yeah. um, attitude. So I think it is one of them ones that is, is quite difficult. Um, Just a quick question. like, um, Can you coach um, discipline? I think you can in respects of being disciplined to your um, your sport and and the way you play it. Obviously, Johnny Wilkinson was very disciplined. Um, mm-hmm. Players that we see on a regular basis now, um, Dan Carter, I know he's retired as well. Um, but you think of the, the, the players that have been great in the last five, ten years, um, they're disciplined to what they do, the way they play, the way they train, etc. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. you can be disciplined in that aspect and you can coach that. And you can only coach it so much because it takes a certain player to want that. Um, but in respects of mm-hmm. being, dis- being disciplined for... Um, like red, yellow, following the laws and that, I don't think you really can. I think it, it, it's, it's difficult because yeah. I'm not being funny. If someone hits you, you're going to hit them back. Um, yeah. If if you choose not to follow the law, there's there's a consequence. It, it, it's, it's a tough one. I don't... I think you can coach it in, a, in an aspect of, right, this is how we're playing... Um, and you know, I think if there was, if there was suspensions and fines for it, so if you got suspended by the RFU for I don't know two weeks for um, something sim- similar to what Peter Romani's done, and then your, your club, if you mm. claim for your club at the time, the club fine you as well, you're probably less likely to do it again. You're gonna watch what you're doing, but if you're that sort of player that plays on the edge. Um, you know, then, then, yeah, 
you're going to expect to get them red and yellow cards, aren't you? I think Billy, Billy's yellow over the weekend yeah. was very harsh. Um, it was it was obviously um, a team one, so it, it, it affected the team a lot, mate. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a difficult one. I think you can coach certain aspects of discipline, <coughs> but I don't think you can coach everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of it comes down to players' aggression, um, temperament, attitude. Um, so yeah. Um, moving on, mate. Should we have a quick look ahead to the weekend? Um, Six yeah. Nations fixtures: uh, England versus Italy. Um, we'll go through some of the team sheets if you like, mate. Um, Italy, um, mm-hmm. as always, late to the party. They have not released their team sheet yet. Um, but uh, England were one of the first ones to do so, um, which is, mate, is. It's it's not the Eddie we know because Eddie's usually the last to release his team sheet, <coughs> um, but he's now been yeah. the first. So I I don't know whether he's he's changed it up a bit, but we'll we'll have a look at it. We'll look at the um the pack. Um, at number one we've got Mapo Vinopola. He returns from injury. Um, Luke Cowan Dickey uh, comes in for Jamie George. Carl Sinclair's back from his ban um, and replaces. Um, oh, who started last week? Well, Carl Sinclair comes into the mix. I can't even remember who started last week. Uh, Maro Toje is mm. the firm favourite at four, of course. Johnny Hill is making a name of himself. He's been an ever-present number at five. Uh, Courtney Laws comes into the team. That's a big boost. Tom Curry and Billy finish off your pack. Um, what are your thoughts on that, mate? Yeah, man, I I definitely think that um, that that is a, a really strong pack. Um, the destructiveness in, in in just a couple of those players, if not all, is definitely going to be um, very important um, against in Italy. Um, you want big runners running at um, the Italians, and you want to force them into you know pushing that game line constantly on the back foot. We you want that so that when you're giving it out to you, to your backs, your speeches like Johnny and um, Watson. You wanna, you wanna focus on, on, on their side of playing. And you know, I mean, you, you look at the rest of, rest of the team, and you, you definitely yeah, wanna have we'll, a good pack. We'll to, have a quick look at it. Um, ben Youngs keeps his place at nine. Um, George Ford comes in at ten. Mm-hmm. Johnny May um, comes in, stays at eleven. Farrell moves to 12, which means Ollie Lawrence gets mm-hmm. dropped. Uh, Henry Slade at 13, Watson at 14, mm-hmm. and Daly at 15. Um, I think that's his, that's his go-to back line. I think he, he likes that back line. Um, me yeah. personally would have liked to see Farrell on the bench with maybe Ollie Lawrence starting again. I don't think he had a bad performance against Scotland. I think he was just... <clears throat> Not thought about. He wasn't given as much ball time as as some of the other players. Um, yeah, we'll have a look at the finishers as well. Uh, Jamie George uh, returns to the bench. Um, seems a while since we said Jamie George's name on the bench. Um, Ellis Genge back to the bench. Will Stewart back to the bench. That's who started last week. At three was Will Stewart. 
Um, Harry Williams and Benno Urbano return to their clubs um, after Mako and Kyle come in. Uh, Charlie Eels, <laughs> Benno, Jack Willis make up the rest of the forwards. He's gone with a 6-2 split as Eddie. Um, and Dan Robson and Max Malins um, make up the final two and the backs replacements. Um, what's your thoughts on that team sheet, mate? Um, a really good, strong, really good, strong team. Um, I definitely think that that um, they they should have gone with if they would have gone into into um, Scotland with this team, it would have been a whole different game. Um, it would have been a, a much a much tougher game for for Scotland, and I think that maybe the result might have been a little bit different. I do not know by which margin, but definitely would have been. Um, much much difficult um, for 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 Scotland to to get away um, with points if if they had the strong team. I also like the fact how um, Eddie uh, adopted a bit of uh, I, I would say Rassi Rasmus's um, um, view on how he uses his uh, <clears throat> his uh, replacements or his substitutions. Going to the six six two format, I really think that. The forwards definitely um, make the game in a sense that you know having a, a good good pack always wins games. It always wins games. You know, it forces forces teams to 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 go over the extra mile to to stop these big runners and you know strong and fast forwards. Um, and then you know having the the, the backline also now join the forwards to its team causes overlaps for the backline to then punish them in the corner. So I definitely think that, yeah, um, I, I, I love the formation. And I think that, I think it's just now confidence that um, Eddie wants to breed into them. That so I'm going to put out my team and I'll let them try to build a team that could, that could um, you know, play against my team. And we're just going to go out there and win. And I think that's the, the mindset um, Eddie has gone up with, which I think is really good. I think he should you should force that of breeding confidence into the rest of the team because if if they already believe within the team that they can go on and win games and you know be disruptive and you know cause havoc then they they need every every single bit of confidence to do so. Yes, mate. Um, I totally agree. Um, obviously, Italy haven't really revealed any lineup at the moment. Um, recording this podcast, mm-hmm. which is very frustrating. Um, <laughs> um mm-hmm. should we have a look at the other two games um or the other game on Saturday um in Scotland versus Wales? Um yeah. mate, what a team sheet um we have in front of us. Um yeah. Rory Sutherland who's under Ferguson at three, that's unchanged from England. Uh, Scott Cummins and Johnny Gray again unchanged mm-hmm. from England. Uh, Blake Thompson comes in for Jamie Ritchie. I can only assume Ritchie is injured. Hamish Watson, the Scottish Rock, uh, stays at seven. Matt Ferguson stays at eight. Ali Price, Finn Russell continue this uh, halfback pairing at nine and ten. Juan Van der Boa, mm-hmm. I said it right. Yeah. The, the big South African. Uh, Got the only try in the England game. Uh, keeps his place at eleven. 
Cameron Redpath is not in the team. What are you doing, Gregor Townsend? Um, I can only assume that the team that they put out against England was their A team and this is the B team. Um, mm-hmm. Or because James Lang is in at 12. Chris Harris at 13. Darcy Graham at 14. I love Darcy Graham. He, he, he offers something totally different. Uh, Stuart Hogg and Captain at 15. Uh, your bench is David Cherry, Ollie Keeble, WP Nell, Richie Gray, Gary Graham, Scott Steele, Yako van der Waal, and Hugh Jones. Mate, um, an interesting Scotland team, to be fair. I thought they would come yeah. um, <clears throat> into the Wales game unchanged from England. Uh, considering the way they played, um, but obviously if injuries have have taken place, that's that's the reason why. Um, James Lang is an interesting one at twelve. Um, yeah. He's 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 a decent. He, I won't say he's a bad player, but he's a de- he's very very decent player. Um, yeah. I can only assume he's resting Cameron um, for the round three. Yeah. I would, I would, I would think of that as well. I think now, especially if they if they're going to be playing Scotland um, next week, you definitely want the best of the best um, playing France. Yeah, I'm not too sure who Scotland have got in round three. Um, should we have a look at the Welsh side then? Yeah. Uh, Win Jones, uh, man of the match. Win Jones starts at one. Ken Owens at two, Thomas Francis at three, uh, Adam Beard and Alan Wynne-Jones uh, is your second row pairing. Aaron Wainwright comes in for the injured Dan Lydia. I feel so sorry for Dan. Um, um, called back up to the squad after monumental um, performances for the Ospreys. He kept um, Ireland quiet for the first 10 minutes and then limped off with an injury. Um, it come out that he had um, damaged ligaments in his knee and will be out for a period of time. Um, sending our best, Dan. Um, Dan Lydia, that is. Hope you get well soon, mate. And yeah, man. Your, your pitch uh, is quite swift. But in comes Aaron Rain- Wainwright, um, hell of a player. Uh, he completes the back line with Justin Tipperick and Toby Falatau. Um Number nine is Gareth Davis. Come off, I think he come off the bench against um, Ireland. Mm-hmm. Dan Bigger starts at ten. Liam Williams is back after suspension. Um, in at number eleven, Nick Tompkins and Owen Watkin form the centre partnership. Um, Louis Lewis Rees-Samit is back on the wing at fourteen, and Lee Halfpenny at fifteen. Your replacements are. Elliot D, Reese Jones, um, Brown, Rollins, both of them, Hardy, Sheedy, and Uncapped, Hal Hallow, mm. makes a appearance from the bench. Um, again, mate, a very, very, very strong Wales team on paper, but can they do the business over Scotland, do you think? I would, I would like to see them go and have a try. You know, like I'm, I'm always the optimist for teams to to go out there and try their best. And, you know, teams are, as, as a rugby source, unpredictable. Um, they might be the ones to turn up. They might have a, a fire in the step, you know. It might be a youngster that might, um, like, like, um, like a, a resummit that, you know, 
scores a, a excellent try again that 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 pushes Wales into wanting to 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 play um, their rugby more efficient. Um, so yeah, hopefully that it, it will be a good game, you know. Um, but yet again, Scot- Scotland's been on good form so far. So we'll we'll see, man. That all yeah. all we boys just have to wait and see. Yeah, obviously the winner of uh, Scotland Wales obviously take a step closer to being crowned the Triple Crown champions, mm-hmm. um, which is which is good. Obviously Ireland and England are out of that race, but yeah, it's, it's nice to to have and to see. Um, should we have a look at the Ireland France game on Sunday? Yeah, um, I mean with the with the loss. With the loss of of, of Peter, um, suspended like for three games. Um, yes, how mate, how big yeah. of a loss? Um, I, th- I think I think it's a massive loss for um, Ireland. I think he he's one of them players that has a massive work rate. Um, mm-hmm. He he digs. Um, he doesn't dig Ireland out of a lot of holes, but he his his partnership with Stander is something else. Um, yeah, I think um, it showed. Um, Ireland wasn't the force that they were with him on the pitch, and when they lost him, um, they suffered for it. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see who they bring in for him, and if Ireland have brought uh, rung any changes. Um, so yeah, mate, it's an interesting one. Yeah, we also have a very, very good contest coming up, James. I think we we spoke about it a bit off air a few days ago, but having Murray um, versus our 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 French star man um, going head to head for for you know the number nine, um, it's difficult to think who will come up who will come out on top. Do you have any? Um, yeah, I think um, Murray um, was very influential for Ireland last week. Um, I know we had a massive discussion about Murray being past it and why they're not picking John Cooney. Um, mm. but he stepped up to the plate in green. Um, he delivered. Um, he put gave Ireland the platform that we needed to play off of, um, which was good to see. I don't think you can compare him to DuPont. They're both totally different players. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting matchup, an interesting head-to-head. Obviously, if Murray starts, we we could see fireworks. Um, I think DuPont will probably come out on top. Um, I think France want to play a quick attacking uh, style of play. Um, this championship, and I think Ireland are just they, they just ticked over against Wales. They didn't they didn't look like impressing. I know they were down to fourteen for a period of time. Yeah, but they didn't look like they offered anything really going forward, um, which is quite worrying. Um, but yeah, it'll be an interesting match up, um, and yeah, we'll we'll see. But I think Dupont will probably come out on top there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Make some excellent news coming out of Australia. Um, just just before I pick your brain on match predictions for the Six Nations this weekend, yeah, um, some news that have come out from Australia. Um, the Rugby AU Super Rugby 
kicks off on the 19th of February. That's next weekend, uh, next mm-hmm. Friday, sorry. Um, and fans are back. Yes. Oh, how good will it be to watch a game with fans cheering on their teams? Mate, um, it's it's literally been for us. Uh, I, I don't know if, if it's just for supporters or players or people just loving rugby in general, but literally for us, I, I know that you and I have been talking like off air a lot about you know, getting the fans back into to to um into games and you know I absolutely love it man. I absolutely love it. Like I feel like as as a rugby player, some people play better when there is, you know, their fans and then, you know, just that moment that they can celebrate with them and go ahead and, and you know, hearing them call your name and sing the songs that, you know, give you that extra boost. It's it's nothing. It's nothing that you can't, you know, relate to when you play in front of a huge crowd like that. So yeah, I, I definitely love the fact that they're back. It gives it gives the rest of us hope that you know, um, the rest of the world will find a solution to have that as well. So yeah, I'm happy with it. Yeah, mate. It seems whatever Australia and New Zealand are doing at the moment. They're doing right because they're, they're obviously getting fans back into stadiums. Um, mate, just before you go, um, mm-hmm. just before we head off into predictions, thank you so much for coming on yet again. Um, you are a superstar, as they say. Um, thank, you, thank you, man. I don't know if I should do. I should. I don't know if I should do predictions really after last week. It seems every team that <laughs> me and Josh. Me and Josh last week said that the Italy-France game could be close. It wasn't. Um, we said England could potentially turn over Scotland. They didn't. Um, and we said Ireland would absolutely trounce the Welsh, and they didn't. So, <laughs> I don't know if I should do predictions, but we'll do them anyway. We'll go ahead. Um, England-Italy, mate, where do you see that going? I think um, with the team that... Um, England has put out this week. I definitely think that they've come out to make a statement um, this week of, of playing against Italy. Uh, yet again, we haven't seen um, Italy's sheet, so we can't really say, but just going off basis of what I've seen from the England squad so far, I think it's definitely going to be a very exciting game and it's a very important game for um, England and England fans to to see them coming back to winning ways. So, yeah, definitely a W going to to England. I don't know by which margin. I don't believe it's going to be the same that um, what the French did, but um, I definitely think that it's going to come back to winning ways and to to push them over the edge to get that confident boost. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think um, you're right. Um, depends what Italy side they put out. Um, I'm going to say England by. 45 points um, I think mm-hmm. Italy might bag a couple but in- England have got the looking at that team um, England have got the potential to do Italy over um, what I will say though is that half of me is going to root for Italy because you never know at this rate um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, from my predictions last week I'm I'm not really hitting the the, the only one I got right was France beating Italy um, yeah. Scotland, Wales, mate. Who do we see coming out on top there? Um, according to last week's performances on both teams, I really have 
a good gut feeling about Scotland. I, I definitely think that they will be able to, you know, um, force Wales into a, a very difficult predicament. Um, it's just that, you know, I, I, I honestly believe that Scotland needs to be on their toes with Wales because um, they might steal a cheeky win, um, which they've been known to do, you know, um, not too not too long ago they 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 steal cheeky wins but if Scotland can can continue their form and you know um, just make sure that the, the defense is as good as it was last week I think they have a definite chance of 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 beating them I do not I do not expect the margin to be greater than with England um, but yeah I, I definitely think that they have a chance yeah mate I um, I think Scotland as well. Um... I don't think Scotland will win by a considerable margin, mm-hmm. maybe seven or ten points, um, but definitely Scotland. Um, should we look at uh, or predict the game of the weekend, probably? Um, Ireland-France? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> no idea. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Um. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult because um, you don't want to go just basis of of, of last last weeks. Um, if you go, off, let's start with, with with Ireland. The reason that they lost someone um, and played with fourteen men doesn't really show, um, showcase the full potential of the squad. Um, I think that they still one of the teams that could absolutely like um, cause trouble for the French. Um, but then yet again. We look at um, France last week. Um, they were playing Italy, you know, which we we both know is not the best, um, but definitely a good team still either way. So, um, yeah, it, it 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 will they they will go into this having more confidence than the than the Irish, and um, I definitely want to see um, a good match. I think that if I have to say out of the, the all three matches, it, it, I would want to see this game the most. Because I think that Ireland has definitely have, have the opportunity to prove themselves against a team that might be um, the best now on the northern side. So we just wanna we just wanna see them go at it, man, and you know see what what the French can do and what Ireland can do. So yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure to be honest. <laughs> Um, yeah, mate. Um, I think um, Ireland um, looked um, didn't look that great for the first ten minutes, and then when Dan Lidiot went off injured, um, they looked a little bit sharper around the edges. Um, but then Amani went off, um, so I don't think we've seen the true Ireland yet. Um, so. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna sit on the fence and I'm gonna say it's a draw, just just because I yeah. can. <laughs> um, mate, thank you so much for coming on. Um, just before you go, last last month we ran a competition for um, slogan, ah, yes. uh, sign off slogan, um, and. We'll we will sign off with it today, um, but as um, 
you're our guest. Would you uh, like to announce the winner? Uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead. Um, so little drum roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us <laughs> the drum roll. Um, uh, it was it is one of our close friends, Jordan Bonner. Um, and he won the the slogan. Uh, James, would you go ahead and tell us the, the slogan? Mate, I will do. Just before we go, um, a big thank you to yourself, Will. Uh, a big thank you to all our listeners for listening week in, week out. Um, that's all, guys. Um, that's all for this week. Until next time, stay on side. Goodbye.